are, you've heard us here at DBIA say just a few times, a design build is only as successful as the owners who implement it. From the beginning of a project to its very end, there are so many factors that contribute to design build success, including the decision. Should this even be a design build project? Welcome to the Design Build Institute of America's Design Build Delivers podcast. I'm Kim Wright. Today, we're excited to introduce you to Bruce Husselby, the Director of Engineering at Virginia's Hampton Roads Sanitation District. With 20 years of experience at HRSD, Bruce has seen the program evolve into a highly successful large capital improvement program, delivering wastewater treatment for 18 cities and counties in Southeast Virginia. He's got some terrific insights into the challenges and opportunities facing owners today. But before we get started, I want to say thanks to our podcast partner, Georgia Pacific Gypsum, for their support in bringing this conversation to you. So let's not delay any longer. Let's talk about design build from an owner's perspective. So we're talking to Bruce Husselby from Hampton Road Sanitation. We're going to talk a little bit about the owner's process. Um, Hampton Roads is a very mature and successful um, program, and, and we'll talk a little bit about from when it first started to where you are now and how an owner can embrace design build. So let, tell me a little bit about your program first. So we have a, a large capital program. Our CIP is scheduled. We're going to spend $2.5 billion over the next 10 years, so about $250 million a year. Uh, many of the projects that are built to that program are going to be going to go design build. So it's a... It's an exciting program. It's a very aggressive program. So from a schedule standpoint, from a complexity standpoint, from a collaboration standpoint, we usually look to design build for some of those more challenging projects. Not all projects, but many of them. What has design build meant for the projects that you have seen delivered so far? And again, there have been a good number of them and a diversity in them too. Absolutely. So we, we tend to pick those really challenging projects. Um, they have a lot of common similarities. One is usually schedule. When we have a very tight regulatory schedule or some other uh, time commitment, we often look to design build. It's, it's definitely the quickest way for us to, to get a project done. Um, but we also look for things like um, complexity of the project. When we get a really complex project, we really want to be looking to hire a contractor, design build team on qualifications. In a design bid build world, you're on low price, and that's not always the best way to deliver a, a truly complicated project, challenging project. So, and I think us, our own, we as an owner, I'd call us a very collaborative organization. Mm -hmm. So to collaborate with people comes naturally to us. So we like to work with people in that way. So it tends to work well. And that gets to the core of culture, right? And that seems to be sometimes the biggest stumbling block for folks who are new to design build. And I can say that when we first did our, we did our first design build project, we were much more conservative in nature and the, the trust factor was not there. And so we took a very conservative approach to design build. We took our bridging documents to almost 50%, which didn't allow for a lot of creative design when you've already designed most of it yourself. Sure. So we were reluctant and, and careful and kind of put our toes in the water and we had a lot of doubting Thomases in our organization about whether it was gonna work. But once they started collaborating with the design build team, working with the contractor and the engineer firsthand and making decisions and managing the budget and deciding back and forth about what would work and what couldn't work and you break down some of those barriers and bonds, the team became, those doubting Thomases became true believers. Right. And those folks um, really got excited about the project. And those, if you can convert a Doubting Thomas into a true believer, the rest of the organization knows those, those people, and you've really got something then. 
And then the success breeds success too. So not only did you break down those barriers and you built that trust, and then you end up with a successful project on top of that. And then everybody wants to jump on board and, and try that delivery method. So we've used it for lots of different types of projects, whether it's been tr wastewater treatment plant projects, we've built admin facilities, we've done sewer pipeline rehabilitation projects, we build water outfall structures from our treatment plants. So we've done all sorts of work. We've got an interesting project now where we're building an equalization tank to store flows during wet weather. And we found, we couldn't find a location. Nobody wants a wastewater tank in their backyard, surprisingly enough. <laughs> uh, so we ended up um, working with the city, local city, and putting it in a park. And they needed a new skateboard park. And we needed a place for our tank. So we're putting a skateboard park on top of our equalization tank. How creative is that? Yeah. So it was win-win. They gave us the land for free, which we would have had to pay for if we had bought the land somewhere else. And by doing that, we had money to put aside towards their park, which they needed to get renovated anyway. Interesting. So it's a fascinating project. I never thought when I started engineering, I'd be working to design a skateboard park. <laughs> so it's a fascinating, interesting mix of, of consultants and contractors. The skateboard consulting community is an interesting, very niche group. And with the guess. water guys, right? So you got the, the water, water guys, guys and the skateboarders. These are guys with long hair and they call everybody dude and it's an interesting uh, environment. That, to talk about team building, that's an interesting... Yeah, and we had the city there and there's a dog park there. So you can imagine the citizens are very interested about their park. That is interesting. So when you, so, so let's, use this, let's use this project as an example. So you're, you know you're going to do this project. How do you get to the place where you know, okay, well, this is a design build project. How did you, how did you get there? Um, you know, we just have to look at, we look at the projects early on. You know, you have to start with the end in mind. Yeah. I think when it's one of Covey's rules. <laughs> and um, we really looked at what are, what are the end results? What do we need in this project? What are the drivers? You know, and how are they unique and different from other projects? Who are the constituents? Who are going to be the ultimate users of the project? How collaborative do we need to be? Can we design this up front? Do we need a lot of input from the contractor? Are constructability going to be a challenge? Um, what type of partners do we have? So kind of all those things you have to look at up front and then and make that decision. How can you best deliver that project? And in some cases, it's, it's CMAR. And actually, that, that equalization tank is a CMAR project, not design-build, but it's uh, still highly collaborative, um, an interesting group of people that are involved with it. Um, vendors get actively involved in, in certain aspects of it, and you want to bring them in early, too. Um, and then from a budget standpoint, you know, that's a really big aspect for us. These projects tend to stay on budget. Um, we manage the project from the budget. You assign a budget early on and you empower the team to manage that budget. In many projects, they don't know what the budget is. And they're just designing things and designing things and we're, we have sticker shock when the bid comes in twice our estimate. Mm -hmm. In design build, you typically know the budget up front and the team is working to stay on budget. So if you want to add some scope, you find something to cut out. If you want to change something, you have a contractor sitting in the room telling you that's going to be $10,000 or that's only $250. We can easily do that. So it empowers people in a different way than, than you normally would. Everybody's sitting at the table and they can have these discussions and trade-offs. And it, it tends, you just, it's, it's, it's the sausage making process that everybody's involved in and the, the end result is, is, a, is a tasty treat, I would say. And everybody has a stake in it. From, and everybody from has a stake and they're to... bought in. And at the end of the project, they're not going to say, who was that dumb engineer? Or, who was that contractor? Blah, blah, blah. They were involved. They, they sat at the table. They were making those decisions with everybody else. So you get a lot of buy-in and fewer think, complaints. When, well, which is definitely a good group. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. 
because they're an operator. I'm in the engineering department in our organization, and we, our customers, our operations group, the guys who have to live and maintain and operate these facilities for 20, 20 30, 50 years, um, and they want it right. Um, they don't, they're not as interested in what it costs up front. They want to make it maintainable. Um, they need to be able to work on it at two in the morning when something goes wrong. They want it to be, you know, parts easily found. So they're, they're fact, their drivers are different than ours. Um, so we want to make sure we can take care of them too. You know, infrastructure in general, you know, municipalities, counties, states, you know, at the national level, you know, are facing so many challenges in um, resources, just not, you know, having so many needs and so little money to get the job done. Um, in water, we've seen a lot of need for a lot of different, you know, infrastructure work and yet not the cash to do it. Um, design build, I think many people had seen as an opportunity made to capitalize and to really maximize those limited dollars in places that serve, you know, large swaths of communities. I mean, are you seeing that play out in the projects that, because you were talking about, about schedule particularly in cost. We do, and, and we struggle every year to update our capital program, and we use a prioritization pro a process on every project, and every, every project is scored, and we have 10 different criteria that we use to pick those projects and move forward. But it's a challenge, and every year our budgets are tighter and tighter, so we have to be as smart as we can with our projects. Getting those costs early on let us know the costs rather than guess at the costs, so that allows us to make smarter decisions. We had a project where we had a $30 million budget, and we got a price from the design build team, it was 15 million. That sounds like a great thing, but that's not such a great thing. You don't wanna be that much over budget. If, you, if we didn't know that that project was really a $15 million project, and we carried $30 million for another year or two with our traditional design bid build, that money couldn't be used for other purposes. So you really wanna um, have the best cost early as you possibly can, and, and design build lends itself to that. But also, you're right, you have to deliver the projects on schedule and on budget. Rates are going up for almost everybody in the country. Water and sewers costing more. You know, the federal government isn't in the game as much anymore to fund these projects. It comes back to the local group. So you have to be, um, you know, transparent, and you have to deliver projects on time and on budget and at the right quality. So the uh, as rates go up, people get more curious. Where is this money going to? That check that didn't seem like that much is is a little bit more this month. And why? Why should I be paying more? You know, everybody wants a clean Chesapeake Bay and clean waterways and, and they want clean air and all these things, but when it comes down to it, someone's got to pay for that and um, they want to make sure that these projects are done well and you cannot afford to be in the front page of the news with an embezzlement or some type of someone killed on the job site or other things that brings question to your, to your ability to deliver projects. You lose their, their trust, the public's trust, they're not going to want to fund these things, and we're counting on them. It's their money. We have to be smart stewards with their with their limited resources. You know, and just to dig deeper too. I mean, we're talking about something much broader than faster, cheaper. We're talking about the collab collaboration, allowing innovation, so that you could do things that maybe you didn't even know were possible, that build resiliency or solve a problem that might have cost more money if you weren't all collaborating. You know, all those heads together coming up with that solution. I think that's what people sometimes forget. It's not just faster, cheaper. That's right. So, you know, it's, it's always, I'm always amazed when we put really smart people in the room and ask them to solve a problem. The way that they solve the problem, you could never do by yourself. Putting different types of people together 
is, is how you come up with creative solutions. It's not having everybody, it's not having five engineers of the room or five architects or five contractors because they all come from the same place. But if you mix those people together and you take the best of all those skills, um, diverse people with different backgrounds, that's, you know, that's what makes projects terrific and that's where you come up with solutions that you would have never thought of on your own. It's what makes America great. We have such a diverse population. We need to take advantage of that diversity. Of course, there's no such thing as a straight line, though. I'm sure there were bumps along the road for Hampton Roads as you made those initial, you know, choices for those first design build projects. I mean, what are what are some of those lessons that for maybe new owners who haven't quite gotten there yet, can't quite wrap their arms around the idea of doing it differently? So it's it's a lot of education. You've got to train people on the design build fundamentals, and it's not just the managers of the project that you have to convince. It's the operations group, it's the senior leadership, it's that county council. Everybody who is involved in the project from top to bottom has to be bought into the process because you will have bumps in the process. And if people aren't understanding what you're trying to do, as soon as they see a problem, they'll say, aha, I knew that wasn't going to work. I told you. I told you so. <laughs> Whoever thought you gave you that crazy idea that was going to work. So you really have to, tr to educate a very wide cross-section of the organization. This isn't something that comes natural to people. You know, we complain about design, bid, build, low bid, all those things. But people are comfortable with it and they understand it. It makes sense to them because they've been doing it for a long time. These other methods aren't so intuitive. So you have to train them on the different ways of looking at a project. Um, and trust is a big thing. And that's hard to do. Um, another thing I'd say for an owner, one of the big things is to be, most of these projects are really driven on a fast track delivery method. So as the owner, you have to be ready to be nimble. You have to work as quick as that design build team. If your procurement office can't get a contract out, if your internal legal group has to spend a six months looking at a contract, your design build is not a good delivery method for you. If you can't make a decision, if you can't empower people to make a decision, if every decision has to go to the top, they're looking to make decisions in a meeting. So you can't put every single person in the meeting. So you have to empower your team to make those decisions and trust that your team will make the right decision. Um, and if you can't do that, if you can't empower your staff and empower the design build team, you're probably gonna struggle to be successful because it just slows things down. I think there's a book called uh, Speed of Trust. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a very good book because it really focuses on how nimble organizations can get things done when there's that trust that acts as a lubricant. And when there isn't trust, there's forms and procedures and checkers and back checkers and triple checkers and run it up the food chain and all those things that just slow and bog things down. Um, so you've just got to be an organization that can empower your staff, trust your people, hire good people, and, um, and live with some of those outcomes. And some of those outcomes aren't always the best outcome. Right. And you have to be comfortable living with some of those decisions. Great design builders are all about innovation, integration, and efficiency. That's why we're happy to have Georgia Pacific Gypsum as our Design Build Delivers partner. The DENS Element Barrier System with AquaCore technology from Georgia Pacific Gypsum creates the water-resistive and air barrier within, eliminating the need for an additional on-site crew to apply a separate WRBAB. This innovative product provides a high-performance integrated sheathing solution for architects concerned with preserving the integrity of their building designs and offers contractors better control of their project schedules and potential time savings. 
design builders are passionate about design build. And yet, very few who are successful will say to you that it is always the right delivery method for every project, because it's not. It's not a silver bullet. If, you know, it, like you just said, if you don't have the culture, don't go there. Right. Because that ends up being design build done wrong, which is awful. It's worse than than the hard bid environment because you, um, if you don't lack, if you lack the trust, if you're going to put three layers of inspection on the job, for instance, as an example, I've seen some people. Well, I'm not sure about design build, so it's going to be trust but verified. So we'll put an extra level of inspection out there, just to make sure it works. Well, you're really heading them in the wrong direction if that's if that's your if that's your thought process. So um, you have to empower the team. You have to have quality control. You've got to have a QA, QC program. Um, and design builders work on references. They are not going to get the next job. This isn't a low-bid environment. They need you as a reference, as an owner. They have to deliver for you. And they know it, and you know it. So failure isn't an option in a design build world. Right. You're not going to be in the business long. You're not going to be sitting in this room next door to us um, with a booth. You're, you're not going to be in the game if you can't deliver for clients. So they need that reference. They need to be successful. You want them to be successful. As long as everybody has the goal of being successful at the end it, it's, and you put the right people on the project, it's pretty hard not to be successful, I'd say. Gets back to that core team. That core team and getting the right people, all with the right mentality of the, you know, the project's going to work and we're going to find ways. And no matter how hard it is, there's always an answer if you look, look hard enough. Someone once said to me, and I, I always remember this, I said some of their favorite projects, their favorite design build projects, they're friends with those team members to this day, even though they may not even live in the same state. That they built relationships that were so meaningful on a project, but they actually ended up being real relationships that lasted far beyond the end of the project, which is incredible if you think about it, because that's certainly not what you would think about. We're talking about building a building or building a wastewater treatment plant, or right? Sure. So we, I mean, you see people at the DBIA conference, and they are best of friends, good buddies, and they're all passionate about the industry, and they've many of them worked together in different roles in the years, and they've struggled through problems. Construction is about problem solving. Right. If it was easy, you wouldn't need any of us. You'd have a bunch of secretaries and robots building this thing and just filing checks back and forth. But that, that, that's not how work gets done. There's problems. Issues go wrong. Things have to be solved. You have to be nimble and be quick on your feet. And whenever you think that there's not a solution, there always is one. Um, so these are challenging areas. And it's hard work. And you're out on the site in dangerous, challenging places in the pouring rain at 2 in the morning. And that tends to breed... Um, close relationships. You know, you, you're putting your family aside on occasion. There's people that travel the world building things and their family becomes their, their compatriarchs. Their work, their, their you know, work family becomes their family in many ways. So these people have long relationships and stay in this industry 30, 40, 50 years and they've passed, crossed paths many times in different ways. So it's, a, it's definitely a band of brothers and sisters. You know, the great thing about design build is it's so flexible and there's a million different ways to use design build and it's evolving. It's mm -hmm. not a static process. And we see progressive design build as another example of that, where particularly in water, it has seen um, much higher usage than we're seeing in some other sectors. Why is that, do you think? I think, you know, progressive design build in its different forms really lends itself to collaboration and making the right decisions on price at the right time rather than making it too early or too late. Um, so it, it, it just tends to be a collaborative process. It just takes collaboration to the next level. It kind of builds it into the procurement process itself. It kind of bakes it into the cake, so to speak. So 
I think in many ways progressive design build is, is the way that builds the most trust. You get the best price at the best time um, rather than forcing it early or waiting until it's, it's too late to make a course correction in the project if you find you're over budget. So I, I think um, progressive design build is just a, um, a smart way and it's just an extension of the collaborative process. It's more the procurement, it's the procurement aspect of being collaborative. So it, it just builds on the whole process. It's, it's, it, sets you sell, it sets you up for success, I would say, because you have trust in the pricing and in the scope um, earlier, and the owner is working with the design build team to finalize that scope and get to a price that are, is mutually acceptable to both teams. So it's, it builds trust from the start. Uh, then I would say then we're talking about those, again, the soft skills, the culture, the trust, that sometimes the hardest thing for a new design build owner to embrace is progressive something you think even a new owner could, could be successful with? I think so. You know, the legislation in each state drives certain yeah. decision making, assuming that the state that you live and work in allows it. Um, I see no reason why progressive couldn't be where you start. Um, you know, somebody who uses a smartphone today, you wouldn't give them a landline phone to learn on. Um, it's the technology of the day. It's the best thing we have out there. So why not uh, start with that rather than start them on a, on a rolling dial phone um, because it's easier or quote unquote, it was uh, something you could learn on. You, the first step. The first step. <laughs> the training wheels. <laughs> there's no sense in starting with that if there's no reason to go to that stage, I would say. So I think you know, the Progressive Design Bill has a future, not in all projects, but in many projects and, and with the right owners and, and with the right uh, design build team. Well, and you can never have too many tools in that tool chest, right? Absolutely. And there isn't one answer for every project. And even a progressive design build can go wrong if you have the wrong people there or you don't have trust or there's somebody in the, in the chain of command that isn't bought in or wants to undermine the process. It's a, it doesn't guarantee success, but it puts you in a better chance for success, I'd say, as a project. If you have the right structure and the right procurement process and the right people on the bus, it's almost impossible to fail. Thanks so much to Bruce Husselby with Hampton Road Sanitation District for joining us. If you'd like to know more about how to become an owner of choice, check out our online resources at dbia.org owners and drop a line to our education pros to see about scheduling training for your department or agency for 2020. You can email them at education at dbia.org. And thanks again to our sponsor, Georgia Pacific Gypsum, for being a valued member of our Design Build Delivers podcast team. Happy holidays, and here's to a terrific new year for our growing podcast community.